Hunter Green is exactly where he should be. I'll explain. Nick Senzel is carving an interesting path that we've been waiting to see. And sometimes all you need is baseball on a holiday to re-energize your weary faint heart. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that passion and turned it into information for you, Jeff and I combining for over eight years of podcasting about the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, on today's show, we are going to talk about Hunter Green and what we think uh, is his ability to continue to get better and grow and grow and grow. And we think he is right where he needs to be. We're going to talk about Nick Senzel and take a look at whether or not Nick Senzel is finally the player that we have wanted him to be. And we're also going to talk about our experience down at the old ball yard at Great American Ballpark on the 4th of July holiday yesterday but jeff let's start by uh shouting out the sponsor of today's podcast this episode is brought to you by blue nile make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. and locked on reds listeners get 50 dollars off purchases of 500 dollars or more this podcast exclusive is includes engagement rings as well all you have to do is use the promo code locked on at checkout all right, Jeff, I guess it's safe to say that the, you know, the, the old expression of the grass is always greener uh, may not necessarily apply to what Hunter Green's been doing on the mound the last few times out. But you know, as we sat and watched him yesterday, you and I had some interesting conversations as we watched what he was doing on the mound. Yeah, because I think it's fair to wonder, and you hear plenty of people ask this, you hear plenty of people say this at the ballpark, what was he pulled up too early? What is this the right thing for him? Should he be sent down to AAA and work on a few things? And I'm going to tell you, I think that he's right where he needs to be. He actually got pulled up into the perfect situation, not necessarily the perfect situation for us Reds fans, but the perfect situation for development. And it's interesting to know because yesterday was one of those starts that was a frustrating start for Hunter Green based on where we think he could be. But if we're honest about it, a 22-year-old rookie, it's not a bad start. I mean, I mean, a couple of inherited runners that he left for Revar San Martin, and we know anything about this Reds bullpen. If you give them inherited runners, those guys are scoring, I mean, I mean bar none. It's it's a bad situation for this uh, red starting pitching staff as opposed to the bullpen. But he had five and a third innings. He allowed six earned runs. Only four of those were really, you know, I mean, he gave up a homer to Francisco Lindor and a three run homer to Brandon Nimmo. But for the most part, had an all right day. Now, he didn't get the kind of whiffs that we're used to. Not a lot of swings and misses, but it was reported after the game that he was dealing with an undisclosed injury. He was pitching through something early on and that was something that you and I had noted we're like wow his velocity is down and apparently that was the reason well 
and you know, you and I talked a lot of things to unpack with what you just said, because uh, several of those things can be true. Uh, a wide range of conversation. Was Hunter Green brought up too soon? Probably. I mean, if we're being honest, they probably brought him up just a little bit too soon. But that's because the things that he had been working on, the things that he had been doing were so good. Uh, the problem is they brought him up before he really developed a third pitch. And how many times did you and I sit yesterday and watch him work a batter and, and say to each other, oh, if he just had that third pitch right here, uh, he really would have this hitter off balance. But he didn't have that third pitch. And that's when guys would get to him. Uh, the fact that he's pitching through a little bit of injury, you know, that's something he does need to learn to be able to do. The fact of the matter is a major league pitcher is going to have bumps and bruises and, and things that aren't quite right along the way sometimes. And he does need to learn how to pitch through those things. But uh, with the Reds being so bad, and let's be honest with ourselves, they are bad. Uh, Hunter Green can work on that third pitch right here at the major league level. He doesn't need to go back down. He doesn't need to be sent back to Louisville to work on things. That's just ridiculous uh, with the way that the red season's going. Let's get that talk out of here right now. But he does need to work on that third pitch. And I really hope that Derek Johnson spends extra time with Hunter Green, takes him aside, starts implementing things, and, and makes it clear to Hunter that the results right now this season aren't really what's important for him. What's important for him is to continue to get better, to continue to grow, to continue to develop his game, add that third pitch, and be ready to go for next season. You know, I was looking at Hunter Green, and there are some numbers that follow along with him. Obviously, people are going to see the ERA and be like, boy, that's high. They're going to see the 22 home runs that he's allowed that leads the major leagues, and they're going to be like, holy crap, that's high. But there's a couple of other statistics that follow along with this that are more what I consider statistical oddities that kind of follow along a rookie pitcher. Some things that he needs to work on, some things that he needs to get better on, but also some things that I think will work themselves out. The first thing that I'm looking at that just, I, it jumped off the page of me and I was like, are you kidding me? When it comes to batted balls, 75% of the balls he allows in play are fly balls. That, uh, th there's a little bit of regression to the mean there that's just going to happen. Part of that is maybe he needs to get a little bit better at keeping the ball lower in the zone and inducing some ground balls. But part of that's just going to be nature. Like, I mean, he's made, what now, 16 starts. And I think that it's just going to kind of get a little bit better from there. And when you add on the fact that 75% of the batted balls he allows are fly balls, 20% of those are going out of the park. You're talking about some unsustainable numbers, some unlucky numbers that are going to regress. And because of that, the ERA predictor of XFIP, which folks who love their analytics and are smarter about it than I am, say that this is the best way to predict an ERA. It's right around 4.5, i.e. quality start. He's getting unlucky. Sure, there's some things he needs to work on, but he's also getting unlucky. Yeah, and I mean, and for the folks that don't like the analytics, the eyeball test says that he's grooving fastballs and guys are elevating it. And you're <laughs> absolutely right that those that's, that 75% yeah. statistical rate cannot continue. It just it cannot be a thing. Uh, and, and if it is, if he's if he's truly a fly ball pitcher, if and none of us saw that coming, but if he's truly a, a fly ball pitcher, he's going to have problems at Great American Ballpark. 
That tells me too that I, we keep advocating for a changeup, and he actually threw it five times yesterday, which is five times as many as he threw it in his last start. But we advocate for a changeup. I wonder too if there's some value in maybe if Derek Johnson could tweak his grip a little bit on his fastball and create a cut fastball. So he's got a four seamer and a cut fastball that just creates enough movement that dips out of the way of the bat that there's not going to be solid contact. You're going to hit it off the barrel of the bat because he's still giving up a lot of barrels. He's still giving up a decent amount of average exit velocity, even though, I mean, if you look at his baseball Salmont page, it's all over the place with red and blue and all this stuff. It shows me that, yes, he has some things to work on. Does he need to add a third pitch? Absolutely. But is he as bad as some of the people who are a few beers deep at Great American Ballpark are saying that he is stupid? No, no, absolutely not. You know, the, I, I think the big part of the problem is pitchers' reluctance to work on things in season because everything yeah. is so results-oriented. And uh, what's going to be hard for this team, and you know, you feel bad for guys like Joey Votto because they're, they're, they don't have many games left. But the truth of the matter is the results need to be, you know, results be damned. The, that needs to be thrown out the window. And it's a unique opportunity now for Derek to work with Hunter and get better in season facing major league hitters. Uh, it's not the it's not the way you want to do it when your team's competitive. But this team's not competitive. There is no. nothing that this team can do right now to make itself be a relevant team in the playoff conversation. So the most important thing to do the rest of the way is to get guys ready for what comes next and to get better. And to do that, they need to work on these things and they need to do it right in, here in Cincinnati and they need to do it now. Yeah. Uh, from here on out, let's basically consider the spring train. Let's see what we got, see who's got what, and see what we need to work on and go from there because the future is the focus. But you know what, Steve? <clears throat> there has been an awakening. Have you felt it? <laughs> Nixon Zell has been destroying the baseball for the last two weeks. Steve has been awesome to watch. And I tell you what. I'm going to ask you a question, and you might ask me a question too, but we are going to ask the question that has many answers. And if you're looking for answers on a special gift for your special someone, look no further than Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with BlueNile.com. You can build the engagement ring of her dreams blue nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape size and clarity as well as setting style blue nile's bench jeweler jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring each ring is one of a kind and if you're looking for fine jewelry to celebrate a special moment but having trouble choosing blue nile can help they have jewelry experts on hand 24 7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Reds listeners will get $50 off your order of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings as well. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and comes in the kind of package that's not going to give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com.
today. Thank you for making Locked On Reds your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. Uh, make sure you're following us on YouTube as well. Thank you for watching if this is your first time. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's podcast, where do we want guys like Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, and Brandon Drury to end up? We will give you our picks. But Steve, we've got to talk about Nick Senzel because dude has been going off the last two weeks. And when we look at the numbers, man, this is looking pretty good. Listen, Nick Senzel, and I've been saying, I've been, I've been beating this drum for weeks now that Nick Senzel was putting it together, that he was turning a corner, that something was different. And the numbers back that up. In the last two weeks, let's talk about his slash line, Jeff. Slash line of 367, 404, 449. Now, you combine that the real hard data numbers with what we've been seeing and hearing when the ball hits the bat. And the truth of the matter is, is maybe the Nick Senzel we've been waiting on has finally shown up at Great American Ballpark. He really showed up yesterday. I'll tell you that. He went off Otako off Taiwan Walker. and Or actually, I'm sorry, that was off of uh, Drew Smith. But he played super well, multi-hit game. He has looked phenomenal. I mean, and it's it's not just the numbers. We talk about the numbers and the eye test all the time. He's passing the eye test as well. He looks solid at the bat. He doesn't look like he's overmatched in any particular scenario. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts today. He's going to be facing Max Scherzer, and Max Scherzer looks overmatched against, or look, makes other hitters look overmatched against him all the time. But Nick Senzel has really settled down in the batter's box. and. If we're talking about this kind of production, I, I'm not expecting him to hit 370 for the rest of the year or anything like that. But if we continue to see this sort of thing, like he can hit like, I don't know, 280 or something like that, you start slotting him back toward the top of the lineup. I, I think it's been good for him that he got moved down whenever Jonathan India came back. And we're seeing him working on some stuff that, honestly, Steve, it's got me wondering, what does the future hold for Mr. Senzel? You know, and, and we didn't even talk about his defense and all that. He's playing a great center field, and, and he's very reliable in center field. You know, you don't, you, you know, he's going to go get balls when they're when they're hit his direction. Uh, for what we can expect from him, you know, if he can keep that on base percentage above four hundred, uh, I think that he's very useful in that eight spot. I, I like him batting down there. I like what he's doing. Uh, I think that he becomes a, a valuable driver in the bottom of the Reds lineup. And, and, you know, it obviously leads us back around to what we've been talking about. We've talked about whether or not Nick Senzel is the center fielder of the future for this team. And we've talked about whether or not he's actually more useful as a trade chip for the Reds. And I got to tell you, when you take those two conversations and you try and, and weave them together now and figure out what is the right direction for the Reds to go, the truth of the matter is, I, I just don't know. I'm really torn because uh, on one hand, we have a pretty large sample size that says that Nick Senzel is the guy that can't just quite put it together. But then on the other hand, we have this guy that's playing right now that when he is right, oh man, is he right? And you want him to be part of this team. And I think if the Reds were to trade him now, they'd be trading low. So for me, uh, I prefer to continue to explore this. Is he the center fielder of the future option? Keep running him out there. Keep seeing what he's got. Now, does that mean you miss if he falls apart again? Yeah, it does. But at this point, I think you have to gamble. You have to roll the dice and you have to pick which one of the two things you're going to gamble on. And I would rather gamble on Nick Senzel being great than gamble on selling him low. 
Well, and, and kind of like you said, his value is so low on the trade market that whoever offers whatever to the Reds, there, I don't think it's going to be the kind of guy that is a franchise changer, maybe not even a good bench player in the future for the major league side. So I look at Nixon's L and I say, let's see what he's got. Now I agree. He's got to show this for a much larger sample size than just two weeks. There, there's lots more that he needs to do and lots more time that he needs to show this kind of performance. But if you're talking about a dude who we can slot into center field for 2024, because that's when we're earmarked. We, we've been saying this for a while. 2024 is when we are pointing to now, especially starting, you know, it started like a couple of weeks ago, really, but especially now as we come into trade season. But Nick Senzel being the center fielder for this team in 2024 takes a lot of pressure off a lot of other guys. I mean, you're talking about Michael Ciani. What do we have in him? He doesn't have to stick right away. He can kind of ease himself in. Your other outfielders can really kind of follow suit as Nixon Zell shows his value. And if he can anchor this, this lineup and this, uh, he won't be the anchor of the lineup totally, but if he can be a mainstay in this lineup, and if he can anchor the outfield defense, then you're really talking about a much better situation overall for a system that isn't rich in outfield talent. No, and that's really the kind of the beauty of exploring, uh, giving him more time. The fact of the matter is, if they were to trade him right now, what they would be getting back, Jeff, is some other teams didn't quite work out. Some other teams change of scenery guy. That's who you would get back in a deal for Nick Senzel right now. So I don't see that that trade really improves you at all unless you, again, get lucky. You're rolling the dice on the guy that's coming back. So for me, Nick Senzel now has, as you just mentioned, till 2024. He has a season and a half to show us who he really is. He has a season and a half to submit himself in that position and to be the guy in center field. Basically, you're telling him you have a year and a half audition to make yourself the man to make yourself be so valuable to this team that nobody can even think about giving away your position. Uh, and that's a great spot for Nick Senzel to be in because if he is finally putting it together, if he is finally healthy and playing baseball at a top level for a consistent period of time, that's going to happen naturally. He doesn't even have to worry about it. It doesn't even have to be a thing that he does. It will just happen. And, and you know, I've said all along, and I know you have too, Jeff, we are rooting for this guy. We yeah. want him to be the guy. We want him to have that kind of success. Is he going to keep hitting 370? No. But I think he can be a 300 hitter. I think what we've seen is his contact go up. He's driving the ball into gaps. His power numbers are down a little bit. He's not quite driving the ball as far. But when you take all of those things together, he can be a nice gap hitter that gets on base, steals a few bases, and sets the table for other guys. And, you know, your team needs a player like that. And, you know, I, I think this comparisons are hard and there's a the saying that I always live my life by comparison is the thief of joy. But there's a comparison that I, I, I want you to entertain for a second. This is a little lofty, but it could happen. Jeff McNeil. We watch Jeff McNeil and the way that he hits. You cannot get this guy out like. I forget who struck him out, but I think oh, Dowry Moretta. Dowry Moretta struck out Jeff McNeil last night and I was like. 
that happens? I didn't think that happened. Like, he just doesn't strike out. He doesn't make outs. But he also isn't the guy that you're expecting in this Mets lineup to hit a billion home runs. He's going to be the guy that gets on base, and they set him up so that he gets on base for the bottom half of the lineup to drive him in. He is the kind of guy that I'd love to see Nick Senzel become. Because Nick Senzel doesn't have to be a power guy. There's lots of power guys that are coming through this system right now, and maybe a guy that they could acquire in a trade this season. There's guys that are going to be the RBI machines. Tyler Stevenson, he's coming back soon. Just started a rehab assignment. We're getting him back soon, and he's going to be the guy that drives everybody in. Nixon Zell needs to be that guy that gets on base. Nixon Zell needs to be that guy that hits the ball where hitter, where fielders ain't. And you know what? If sometimes that happens to be over the wall in the outfield, great. But I'm not expecting that. And I think that he can become, kind of like you said, if he can hit around 300, that's Jeff McNeil. Can we have a Jeff McNeil in this lineup with Nick Senzel? Sign me up if that's the case. Absolutely. And, you know, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head, Jeff, that it really comes down to a choice. Uh, Nick Senzel is going to have to choose what type of hitter he wants to be. Uh, is he going to continue to try and drive the ball and be a power hitter? And that hasn't worked out well for him. Or is he going to make the decision that it's okay to be a contact guy? It's okay to be a high on base percentage, get on base kind of guy without the the fancy home runs and, and the shiny long ball that everybody loves to see players hit. But right. you need guys to get on base so you can score runs. Everybody loves RBIs, uh, except that nobody likes to get on base to provide those RBIs. So you you need a guy like Nick Senzel. So I think hopefully somebody is in his ear telling him, you know what, Nick, you want to just be an on base guy. We're good with that. Hopefully someone is saying that because that's exactly who the Reds need him to be. Yeah. Somebody bring Senzel and Jeff McNeil over my way in the stands at the end of Wednesday's game. And I'll be like, you guys need to exchange numbers and talk regularly because I want Nick Senzel to be as good as you are. (laughs) Listen, Jeff, I think that Nick Senzel is an incredible talent that might finally be putting it all together. And it's just going to take time to find out if I'm right about that or not. Uh, listen, Jeff, you and I had a great experience down at Great American Ballpark yesterday. We got to meet lots of people. We got to do some cool things. We got to get down on the field and participate in the pregame ceremony. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that coming up in just a minute. And we're going to talk about that great experience. Uh, but if you, but first, if you want to have a great experience at buying some auto parts, head over to rockauto.com right now. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models on the road, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts you need for your vehicle. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning from the person behind the counter asking you about your make, your model, your trim package, the number of horsepower in your motor, etc., etc., when you can then sit and watch them punch it all into a computer and then try and sell you the only one option for that particular part that they have in stock that's very, very expensive. You have a computer at home, you have a computer in your pocket, and you can use those devices to head over to rockauto.com right now. Why spend 30, 50, or even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership that you can get for less at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. And when you check out, make sure that you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so that they know Steve and Jeff from Locked On Reds sent you to check them out. 
They have amazing selection. They have reliably low prices, and they have all of the parts that your ride is ever going to need. RockAuto.com. Get over there today. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There is no Fs in that one. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the show on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching us there, thank you so much. If you haven't checked out our YouTube feed yet, lots of bonus surprises over there. Go check it out. Hey, Jeff, I had a great time down at the ballpark yesterday. As I tell you often and every time we were there, Great American Ballpark is my happy place. And we got to do lots of stuff that... Uh, is outside of our normal game day experience yesterday. And uh, I thank you for uh, setting that up. But we got to go down on the field. We were part of the pregame. That was a lot of fun, Steve. Getting to pull out the flag for July 4th. Huge flag, which we found out. I was a little bit worried uh, beforehand. And I wasn't sure if this ever happened. But apparently on opening day, there were a couple of people that like fell underneath the flag as they pulled it out. And I was like, man, I, that, that might be me. But thankfully we, we stood on the side that we just held it. We didn't have to move. And, uh, that, that didn't happen. Um, and nobody fell under the flag this time, which I think they said was a first, which it's just in my mind. I don't know. Like, obviously you would open yourself up to be made fun of for like the rest of your life. But I kind of feel like it'd be interesting to fall underneath that flag. Like I don't want to do it, but I think if it happened, I'd be okay with it. You know, I, I I think I said to you that it was uh, it was kind of like being in elementary school in gym class where you had the parachute <laughs> and you lifted it up and everybody ran under. That's exactly what that would have been like. And you know, yeah, you're probably lucky that we were on the standstill side because if you hadn't fallen down on your own, I might have helped you as we were pulling the flag across the field. So it, you know, it was it was a lot of fun just to to get down there and get on the field at Great American Ballpark and kind of walk around in the grass. We were, you know, maybe 10 feet from Hunter Green as he was completing his warm-up tosses when we were out there getting set. Uh, we saw Aramis Garcia in the bullpen getting loose. Uh, you know, one of the coaches throwing baseballs in the dirt, him uh, stretching and practicing getting loose to scoop the ball. Uh, so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on that we got to see that you don't normally get to do when you're down at the ballpark. Right, and... Honestly, it was the best time I had since that last time we went to the Reba McIntyre concert. But uh, when I look back on that experience, I think about the whole idea of just being down on the field. Like, that was so much fun. And sure, you know, sun's beating down on you. It's July. It's really hot. Didn't care. Didn't care at all. Like, I, I was having so much fun just being down there. And like you said, seeing Hunter Green, we were next to the bullpen. J.R. House was warming up. I think it was uh, Armas Garcia and, and and then Mark Colesvari also walked in there as well, which, by the way, hey, three catchers on the roster now. That's great. How many more catchers we want to add? But anyway, whatever. That's, the, that's another segment. Um, but talking about this experience, it's a once... Not necessarily once in a lifetime because you could do it more at once, but I don't necessarily think I'll be doing it any more times than this. This is a one-and-done type scenario, I think, for me. Yeah, I, I think we said that to each other a couple times while we were sweating down there holding that giant flag. Um, but it was a it's lot a of fun. Workout, and, you know, man, it was a workout, <laughs> for sure. My arms are still a little bit sore, actually. But, you know, outside of the, the pregame experience, um, you know, I, I said on Twitter, I was tweeting pictures yesterday. If you're not following me on Twitter, why not? Go follow me at Ed Baker and uh, see the pictures I was posting yesterday. But we, you know, when Jeff and I do games together, 
uh, we wander the ballpark. We check out different areas. We try and go see people. And it was so great running into so many of you that stopped us and were saying, oh, hey, love the show. Love the podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Really do love it. Uh, we wandered around the ballpark. Our guy Josh out at the Bowtie Bar. Uh, great seeing him. You know, uh, we met a couple uh, holding the flag that had just gotten married that mentioned that they like to watch the show, too. So shout out to them. Uh, happy, happy wedding. Uh, but it's just that's my favorite part of being at the ballpark. We talk about all the time, you know, why go down there and give Bob Castellini your money and et cetera and et cetera. But, you know, that's why to, to be amongst fellow Reds fans and to, to have the experience of a cold beer in your hand and and baseball in front of you at one of the best ballparks in the country. And I've seen a lot. And Great American Ballpark ranks right up there with any of them. Oh, yeah. There are some that are better, but there's a lot that are worse. I love being down at the ballpark. And, and, I, uh, and the people are great. And I reckon we'll be at the Bowtie Bar again tonight here. 3 two, one deal on this Tuesday night. I'm uh, looking forward to that. Give me a hot dog for $3. No, 12-ounce beer for $3. Hot dog for $2. Ice cream cup for $1. I know that you're going to eat like 12 of those ice cream cups, I'm expecting. Yeah, the ice cream cup is where I'm going, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the one. <laughs> well, Steve, man, I, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. That, that was a great experience. And kind of like I said, I mean, I, I just feel... You know, it, it's been a long season. We're really, we're trudging through some of these games where it just feels like the Reds just aren't competitive at all. But yesterday, were, uh, yesterday they were in the ball game the entire time. It was July 4th. Happy Independence Day. Great day to be at the ballpark. And we were down there on the field with the flag. I'm just, I'm, I'm back, baby. I'm re-energized. Let's go. But. That's going to end it for us today here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening and making us your first listen. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB Prospects, because Lindsey Crosby will give you a daily look at the stars of tomorrow. He has lots to say about what's going on in the Reds farm system, obviously. And he's going to keep you up to date on what's coming up in the MLB draft. That's coming up here in just a few weeks. That's Locked On MLB Prospects, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Coming up tomorrow. We are going to talk about some Reds trade candidates and where we would like them to end up. Look at that. We went like almost the entire show without talking about trades. I mean, now almost. we're going to be talking. We're almost made it. Almost. Almost. We're going to be talking a lot about trades for pretty much the rest of July and, you know, first couple of days in August since the trade deadline is August 2nd. It's going to be busy for the Reds. At least it better be busy for the Reds. And we're going to talk about where we'd like to see some guys end up. Thanks again. Because there's going to be a busy trade season, Steve. What can everybody expect of us? They can expect us to be at Great American Ballpark tonight. And if you're at Great American Ballpark tonight, come find us. Come say hi. We want to hear from you. For the rest of you, you can expect us to be right back in your podcasting feed talking about these Reds because we are Locked on Reds every single day. Talk to you tomorrow.